As a working mom, I was spinning on my heels trying to be everything to everyone without realizing overwhelm had its firm grip over me. And it's no wonder since we juggle many identities and responsibilities and tendencies to shy away from our awesomeness. Does this sound like you? I believe one of the keys to successful living is activating our personal power. The question is, how do we do this? Join me each week as I uncover actionable tips from experts and intentionally aligned working mums who, like you and me, are on a journey to boost their personal power. My name's Roxana. Welcome to the Personal Power Boost Podcast. My guest on today's episode is Deepa Lee. Deepa is a mum to two boys and works in cybersecurity consulting for FTSE 100 firms. She is the author of a book called Written. Written is a semi-autobiography about a girl called Eleanor who experiences domestic violence and intense cultural pressure. Welcome, Deepa. Hello. Nice to meet you again, Roxana. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm very excited to have you on. I was um, reading your book and just completely on a roller coaster of emotions. And I felt like we needed to do a deep dive into your book. Fantastic. Well, I'm all red ears and uh, listening to your questions here because. Uh, yeah, it touches on a lot of facets. So uh, yeah, very keen to to help you understand that a little bit more. Thank you. I'd love to start with the title of the book, which is Written. Where mm. did that concept come from and what does it mean for our listeners who, who may not be familiar with this idea? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the book, is, the backdrop to the book is uh, uh, a community, uh, a Muslim community, and uh, you know, in in Asian Muslim society in general as well, there is this notion that of predestination. So it's the idea that your whole life has been written already. That you know that there is a a plan in place. That God has a plan, and and that you are really just following that plan, and you are um, part of that plan. And a lot of communities, traditional communities, I should say, um, follow this belief that things that have happened to you, uh, such as a circumstance or um, a situation that has, has arisen, uh, was written and that you have no choice but to follow the plan and that, you know, that it was all planned for you. Uh, so the book uh, is inspired by this idea that it was everything is written. So. Um, in, in the story of uh, one of the characters, the main character, Eleanor, um, she's been told that her whole life has been planned already and that she has no choice but to follow that path um, and on that road, on that discovery, uh, on that journey, she uh, comes in conflict, if you like, with what her family have told her is re- planned for her. Um, and to uh to then question you know is this the right thing for me is this the way i need to fulfill my life and uh yeah so the book was really to to try and uh 
look at this idea of what is written, what is really planned for you and what is really truly your choice and your own truth and your own, uh, your own goals and how to fulfill your own goals in life. I love this um, little um, a sentence, a couple of sentences from the book, if I may read them to you. It Absolutely. says, I may have been four years old, but for the first time, something that Mama G said disagreed with me. You see, I wasn't born for it to all be written for me. I was born to write it. Absolutely. How profound for a four-year-old to have this concept, this notion that I disagree with my mum saying it's written for you. Absolutely. And uh, so this was actually a, a real, uh, real experience in terms of um, drawing from one of my own experiences is that uh, my mother always used to say things like um, she was she she you know she had an argument or fell out with my dad. She would often say things like, "Oh, this is what was written for me. This was what was in my destiny. Um, you know, to live like this and to have to have this um, life. And uh, you know, I have no choice but I have to I have to go with what um, what was written for me." And I remember being four years old and we were looking out through the window and a plane would fly over in the sky and my mum you know being um, an immigrant um emigrating to to the uk or immigrating to the uk um mm. she would always pine for going back to bangladesh which is where my family uh, are from mm. and in those moments she would say um you know i i would say to her why why can't we just go back you know you're unhappy here why don't we just go back and this is a four-year-old you know speaking and um she would say well i don't have a choice i have to be here this is what um allah and you know this is what was written for me this is my destiny and i have to accept that mm. and i remember not fully comprehending what that meant why she had to accept it if it made you unhappy why are we why does she have to accept it 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 doesn't seem right to me as a child then it didn't seem right to me that those two words go in the same sentence and and can actually be uh, mean something and I remember that point that was the the thing that really I couldn't really accept wholeheartedly couldn't accept that idea that you know, you have to go, uh, you have to just follow, you know, your unhappiness and just and just go with your unhappiness. Yeah, so I, I always had this, you know, in, in my, within me, I just felt this just didn't feel right. It just didn't sit right, the idea. And I remember mulling over it and thinking, my mum deserves more than this. My mum deserves to feel happy. My mum deserves not to pine um, and long for something so much. And, you know, every time a plane flew over, her, Oh, her words were always, you know, this is not my life. I'm, I'm, you know, it didn't feel real to me. It didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel real. And I remember thinking that day, well, I wasn't born for, for it all to be written for me. I was born to write it. And writing it meant as in to be able to take charge and control your own destiny and, and actually make choices, make the moves that you need to make that feel real to you. Nobody else but for, that feel real to you. And to honor that, to honor that golden truth that's inside you, that tingles inside you and says, 
I, I deserve to show this. It, I own this. I own this truth. This is about me. This is who I am. And to not let go of that, to harness that in such a way that actually nobody can take that away from you. That little light that says, I feel good when I do this. I feel good when I'm drawing. I feel good when I'm singing. I feel good when I'm walking out and I can feel the air around me. Mm. Nobody can take those things away from you. But I think the reason why I wrote the book was because a lot of those things, especially from women, not all women, but a lot of women face these issues where they feel they need to either please everybody else or, or they feel they need to act on other people's interests and put their own goals and ideas um, in a corner somewhere. I wanted to actually talk about that. So the book delves into very deeply into aspects of culture. Um, and in this book, it delves into Bangladeshi culture, but it's not, it's not entirely within and contained within the Bangladeshi culture. I think, no. I think a lot of these um, topics that you delve into in the book affect many cultures, uh, many Asian cultures, many African cultures. Um, and it delves into this, this notion of where men overbear and overpower women to the point that women have to find courage or permission to even ask to visit their own family members and mm -hmm. often that permission is denied and then there are arguments that tend to lead to violence and further oppression and suppression yes. and, um the book is uh, the the i haven't read it all in its entirety as i as i was saying but the aspects of it that i've read that is a feature that comes up in almost every single chapter and mm. isn't it true that eleanor witnesses that as a youngster between her mum and dad mm. yes so that's where it starts for her to kind of start seeing this kind of playing out mm. of her yes that's right so eleanor was um witnessing a lot of this for herself and she she would often see you know that her mum was being abused physically abused her you know that just even the smallest things you know such as going to the supermarket was frowned upon by her father her father and uh, you know there's there a lot of uh, very very deep detailed psychological effects of that oppression on her mother which meant that she was even affected by it. Eleanor's life was almost you know was was affected by the, the 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 subjugation that Eleanor's father inflicted on her mother and I think there's a lot of um the re the reason why that becomes then it has an adverse effect on the family and the communities because everybody then starts to feel that they have to conform or fulfill this uh, this idea that you know if a woman you know a woman needs to behave like this and then that would mean that you know she has to live within these boundaries and that means that everybody else also has to follow through and then eventually it permeates through the whole of that community or society and before you know it you're surrounded by people that believe in these kind of beliefs and, and some of the things in the in the book which Eleanor discovers is that it's it's not it 
if you surround yourself with people that feel this is the way forward and it's not right for you then you end up end up fulfilling their ideas and their truth but if you if if you break away from that you'll find that your own truth is 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 really really uh important really you know that is what makes you real and what makes you alive and and so eleanor's journey is always going through that going you know walking that path of the fine line of where where do i become me and where am i becoming my mother because uh she you know she she when she's going through this she realizes that a lot of what she's going through is actually what her mother went through mm-hmm. and that's because she's trying to please her parents and please her family and trying to abide by those rules and those conditions um but it she's she's learning that doing that is actually not really being true to herself and she says um, and she says this if i may say Mm. Um, I had married Saeed because I owed it to Mamaji for the price she had to pay for suffering with Babaji, giving her a gift, the gift of honour. That was so powerful. Yes. I, I mean, this is, a, again, another thing, you know, that in, in, I wouldn't say in every community, but a lot of the mindsets and a, a lot of cultural mindsets are that, you know, you're not marrying just for um for you for your happiness you're marrying for everybody's happiness you're doing it because you you owe it to your family because they suffered they they went through this i mean uh, you know in in eleanor's story uh you know mamaji arrived in this country very young you know you know a, a child of 12 years old that that was married um to a man who was 20 years older than her and wow. you really feel that there's um you know she's just following orders you know she's following orders from her predecessor you know who who asked you know her mother her you know eleanor's grandmother had also the same same conditions that she had to meet and this perpetuates you know over and over and over again and you can see that eleanor is also thinking the same that she's now like gone through the suffering you know seen what her mother goes through and her mother pretty much lived and you know through a marriage just because you know she wanted the best for her daughter and her daughter is now um taking up this idea that yeah i i have to do this for my for my mother i have to live i have to ma- marry to make sure that she feels um the weight of her her life has you know no longer um sorry the words i'm not not coming to me now but the 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 reason she lived is the reason why she exists. You know, the the, the almost like that... a debt is being paid off with every daughter that marries the person that the family approve of. Yes, like the next generation of daughter is paying off the debt, almost by doing that for the hardships that were endured by her mother and her grandmother. And to break away from that, to say no to that would be disrespectful and send a huge ripple through the entire family and community that are associated because that's just the way it is for everybody. I mean, with the, with the book, with Mamaji, you know, Mamaji sacrificed everything. Mm-hmm. If you look at it from her point of view, you know, Mamaji would almost say, I did this for you, I did that for you, you know, I 
suffered, you know, huge wounds. I, I, I sacrificed my whole life mm. so that you can be happy, so that I can one day see you married and be happy. And it's all good intentions, but really the weight of those words yeah. and not following through on those words is is devastating it's devastating for the whole family if you, if you do not carry that uh fulfill that wish um that that in, in this case eleanor's parents had put on put on to her that you have to marry you know because we sacrificed our whole life just so that you can have a life and it's almost as if for eleanor in any way uh if she didn't then it would almost be seen as that Mama G's whole life was in vain. You know, it was in vain to, you know, if, if she didn't fulfill, you know, the the the, the marriage or, or go through with the marriage. Yeah. And it sounds to me like from a young age, Eleanor had quite an, a social awareness of what was going on, what was, I, I believe, and, you know, I, I think this when I reflect back to my childhood, I think that children know when things are right and when things are wrong. They mm. feel it in their core. And I know I could, when I could, when I saw or experienced oppression or suppression, I just remember feeling anxiety, like intense anxiety in my body. And I feel like when I was, when I was reading the book and I was reading Eleanor's account of, of what she was seeing through her eyes as a child, I thought she just knows she has the truth inside her already she just mm. isn't old enough to be able to kind of piece it together, but she knows that it's not right for people to live in this way. Absolutely. And, you know, with, the, with Eleanor, one of the things that, uh, that was quite interesting, which was inspired by my own real life, was uh, she had a, uh, an imaginary friend, which in the book uh, you may have read is Mrs. Abbott's. Yeah. And uh, so from my own real experience, uh, I used uh, Mrs. Abbott's, I brought Mrs. Abbott's into the book because really she was somebody, she was an imaginary friend to me growing up. And I used to talk to this woman and I used to draw pictures of this woman. And I used to say to myself, you know, talking to her, Mrs. Abbott's, do you feel this is right? I mean, I should be allowed to draw paintings and pictures of people and the voice would come back and in, in the form of this beautiful woman, you know, in the book you might read um, and it would always come back. And it was, it, it was really me speaking to this imaginary character, but actually it's my own intuition. And some of the things that are in the book, which is, you know, um, surround yourself with people that will provide you with that positivity and that, you know, that will help you, you know, achieve your goals you know surround yourself with with that you know pull on all your resources is is one of the things that mrs abbotts would say mm -hmm. and i used to then draw on that you know my my real experience was that the challenges that i faced would always be based on the fact that well what have i you know i i, I feel like i can't do this but what can i do what is in my power mm -hmm. you know if i'm coming up against a problem with exams for example i could always pull on that and go well i need to search i need to scour i need to make sure that all of, it's not a case of no you can't do it I need to make sure that I've checked everything through I've, I've fully covered all my resources really scoured 
everything that I can, drawn everything I can to possibly make that decision to say before I say, no, I can't do it. You know, and I think that's something that really pulls you through, especially when you see a lot of, um, you know, when you come, come into adversity with, with something is actually before you say, no, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Have you really thoroughly checked that this is completely impossible? Because most often you'll find that as you continue with that search, you know, to, to overcome that issue, that there are multiple ways of uh, solving that problem and there's multiple ways in which you can. And in, in, in Eleanor's case, she felt that her whole life that she didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's only until she was happily married did she feel that there was actually a choice and there was a way forward. There was a way forward to everything, despite the fact that you know, making those choices would have often meant that she would be disowned or her whole family would not want to uh, not, not want to know her anymore. Yeah. Um, and and it, it is a really hard world to live in, you know, to, to feel for a woman, especially um, to go up against all of that is it is huge. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of loving yourself to to overcome it. But I think one thing that I really wanted to make clear is that if you have something inside you that really sparkles whenever you think about it, it could be, let's just say, art, you know, and, you know, you, you wanted to draw something, but you felt like, oh, I shouldn't do it. But you kind of hold on to that, that little golden truth that says, yes, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. This is what makes me feel alive. You should let that, you know, smolder or like sit in you for for a while and and not let it be taken over by the darkness which often is the force that actually kills a lot of our uh intuition or kills a lot of what we really want to do mm-hmm. um i really i'm not i'm not suggesting that everybody should uh just start um you know just going into some some really kind of uh extreme angle if you like on something but i think there's definitely something that you can nurture when you get that little sparkle it's 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 a really beautiful feeling when you when you've done something that you really enjoy and you really love and just harnessing that belief that that you're getting that feeling because it's there it's it's yours it's it's for you it's to, to to tap into and nobody should take that away from you in my case the biggest thing in my life was i really wanted freedom um, and freedom was looked at in a really shameful way for women. Um, you know, the word freedom meant you must be some kind of whore. You must want to, you know, go clubbing or you must want to do something, you know, outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, these, so once you start to take that on board, it actually starts to close in on you, you know, that, you know, you don't have a choice in anything. So um, I really wanted to get that out in the book that there's a lot of things that we start with, you know, the beliefs that we start with as we grow, grow older. You know, we don't have freedom. We don't have freedom of choice. But actually, even in the most strictest cultures and, and ideas, you can break away. You can break away from that idea and actually realize that you do have a choice. 
you've either chosen to stay within the confines of these ideas or you've chosen to go no this does not feel right for me this does not feel like the right way for me to live my life and I've only got a hundred years on this planet so you know I don't want to waste that opportunity to 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 live it the way I came here to live it and it starts with that it starts with that feeling that you love what you've those thoughts and those ideas that you have and embracing it and just making sure that it doesn't get clouded by the darkness with often life throws at you in, 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 you know, in all sorts of ways. Absolutely. I think the thing that the common theme throughout the book also was hope. So whilst Eleanor lived in great despair, we'll come on to her wedding day and the thoughts that were running through her head. But I remember there was the passage where she finds hope because there's a, I think it was a magnolia tree outside her bedroom window. And the bugs are on, I've just come back on the trees. And just seeing those gives her some hope in, in herself as well. So just with the, with the natural occurrence of the seasons changing, it uplifts her. She, it's almost like her human experience is looking for hope and spirituality in some way to lift her out of the, the, depression of her situation yeah. uh, I, I really found that amazing and I think that the other um, passage that really kind of affected me as I was reading it is so it's Eleanor's wedding day so she's about to marry Saeed mm. is that how you pronounce his name Saeed yep, the Saeed yes yeah, she's about to marry him and she says I fought back the thought that I fought back the thoughts that often crippled me with despair over having any freedom to flourish and blossom again. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, I think a lot of us get beaten up so badly by the demands of society that we almost give up hope. We almost go, I don't have a choice. I'm going to just, I just, gonna, I just feel so defeated. I'm, I'm going to give up on that idea, you know, and... And, you know, in Eleanor's case, you know, she she goes through that because at that point, all of these things that were going on and she just could not see a way forward. You know, for her, it was um, I'm just going to I'm just going to let go of that. I'm going to let go of it. And, uh, you know, she truly did go down the path of um, I wouldn't say force, but it was definitely not choosing her own path but actually going through that you know the 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 cycle of i'm i'm going to choose my family i'm going to choose uh what's right for them what's right for everybody else repaying the debt wasn't she the the debt that Mm. her mom had had paid and the grandma had paid and and that's something i want to touch upon a little bit so in the book um there's times when she does manage to leave her marriage that is quite violent and um and very hostile and Mm. she leaves and she goes to her grandma's house in Luton who feeds her and uh, hears her story but then it's almost like here here pat on the back off you go back this is what we expect Mm. and yeah and she has a very similar experience even from her own mother-in-law who lives in the same house where she fully knows what's going on in the marriage and how violent her son is being. But there are women all around Eleanor 
who have a good idea of Eleanor's situation, but they don't step up and speak out and support her. And mm. I'd like to explore that a little bit because we're seeing generations of women all being complicit to the disempowering of a young woman. Mm. And that did not sit well with me at all, I have to say. Yeah. It was really kind of just having this anxiety inside me, like somebody help her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I think for Eleanor, she she knows in herself that what is going on is not right for her. She knows that what in the whole, her she's known that her whole life but she feels so compelled to do right by everybody else and one of the things that really frightened her was that the people around her were constantly telling her that this was okay mm. that that abuse was okay that domestic violence was okay it was in a me too kind of way. It almost has a its own hashtag because it, it you know, uh, and we're talking about things that you know, you know, writing before hashtag reinvented, by the way. Um, but in in Eleanor's case, um, you can see that she's she she's in this house, and all the women in that house are saying, you know, I I went through this too. I I, I you know, I've been beaten up. And yeah, and this is what life is, and this is what marriage is, and this is what, um, you know, you know, your your grandma and your your aunt and your 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 in laws. They all they they were they're all chiming in with the same detail for Eleanor that yeah, this is this is the way life is, um, and this brings you back to this whole idea: who are you surrounded by? Mm. Are you surrounded by people that actually? have your safety in mind or have they just got themselves in mind because really there's nothing uh, the biggest distinction i could make to this and at the time i couldn't you know was that the biggest the biggest golden truth here is that your safety your physical safety is everything your physical safety your health your physical safety if you can't feel physically safe there's nothing nothing in the world that can justify that mm. nothing in the world that can take that away that if you're physically unsafe then nothing else matters nothing else can make it better nothing, nothing else ease that pain yeah and here we are with all these women around sir uh, eleanor telling her that well, no, it's okay. It's completely okay. Look, you know, this is you. You, you know, you must be overreacting, or you know, you, you know, you can make this work. This can, this can work. All for the safety of this honor, or this, um, you know, to not be shamed by everybody, to not bring bring down shame in in the community. That was where it was coming from, and Eleanor could really see that. She could see that in all the faces that they could. They were thinking at it from that angle. And it was at that point, I think, for Eleanor, she could really feel this sense that she was alienated. She was, she was one person, you know, in, in the room that did not believe what the rest of this community or this, this family was subscribing her to. I felt despair for her. I just felt utter despair at some times. I just thought, oh, my goodness, how she 
ever going to escape. And then I loved the fact that she had these glimmers of hope and she concocted and plotted and thought and sometimes it came to something and sometimes it didn't but I loved and admired and I was rooting for her to be able to try and I, I kept thinking third time lucky like one like at some point the plan will work and she'll escape this and yeah. and and bravo to her and I think just focusing on on the women again it's what I really see coming through the book in particular is with all these women being complicit um, in terms of, um, you know, bowing down to this whole notion of honour and shame and everything else that is talked about in, in particular cultures, is that they were victimised. And, mm. you know, they, they, they have been victimised by the very system that they are now choosing to support and I think what comes through for me is this kind of lack of education and empowerment for women in these cultures that they just have resigned to the fact that this is just the way it's going to be. Mm. And we'll never break the cycle. Let's not even let our minds go there. I think a lot of the time as well in, in a lot of these cultures that women are so in fear mm. of doing the wrong thing that actually they... Um, almost a, um, an enemy to their to themselves. They do not even give themselves a right to even practice any idea of of thinking outside of the the realm of what what was uh, what what they're confined to in terms of rules and and ideas and expectations. I want to turn our focus a little bit onto the men in the book, mm. um, if I may. So. Saeed was the husband that she that Eleanor married. Now, Saeed, one of the questions that came to my mind was this, and it might not be the reason why he is the way he is. But I wanted to ask that why are boys or men so revered by the women in their life that when they grow up, if they hear a no from a woman, it perplexes them. It's like, what? What's going on here? <laughs> and this is what just it just came across to me like spoilt mm. person who has no sense of humanity to the point that he dehumanizes Eleanor you know mm. she, she's not allowed to think she's not allowed to do anything for herself and even in the moments when they're fighting and rowing he still even when he knows that she's angry or upset or sad or heartbroken he will still continue pushing his power onto her yeah let her to break her to take her to breaking point it seems mm. and i think the yeah the, this was this is the character that i wrote explicitly about to actually really shed the light on on this idea that you know in these cultures men especially are empowered and anything you know anything goes in, in my opinion, the 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 way in which um, they're socially, you know, they connect, they, they're accepted in in any way, you know, whatever they do, even if they're beating up a woman, it's actually seen as well. You provoked her, you know, yeah. you provoked him. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, so it's absolutely natural that he should react like this. Um, and again, that comes from a man has complete right and privilege to uh, a lot of uh, you know to to his you know he owns he owns a woman and he believes that you know he can 
do as he needs to to make that possession of his completely completely for his for him for himself he you know it's justifiable everything is justifiable because it's his right and and i think there are there's definitely a lot of improvement that needs to be made you know in how we nurture our boys or young men you know that what can young men in particular asian cultures or particular families because let's not generalize too much not all asian people are like this mm. Um, but where there is this very extreme behavior displayed towards women display you know when dehumanizing a woman is absolutely part and parcel of what being a man is where there's these kind of thoughts how do we how do men break that cycle Mm. the way i see it is that you're growing up in a culture where Everyone is raining down with these ideas of a woman, woman's place to walk one step behind a man or to be subservient and passive. Mm. But how can we break that cycle without shaming men? Because there will be men, and there was a man in this in this story, wasn't there? There was a brother-in-law who was witnessing a lot of mm. a lot of the pain and the physical pain and the emotional pain that was being inflicted on Eleanor. Mm. I'm guessing he is somebody who probably does not want to experience the same things in his own life. And I'm sure there's yeah. other men who don't want to experience and don't want to inflict themselves in any way, shape or form. But, you know, they're products of their environment. They might not know any better. What can they do? What- you know, I, I, I actually think that a lot of this um, stems from how we're nurtured at a really young age and also depending on you know your your way of thinking how you perceive men because you know i i look at my own family and my husband's side of the family so my husband's side of the family it's a very matriarchal family so the 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 mother or the you know the mum in the family is the head of the family and she kind of you know pulls you know the purse string she has a you know she makes the choices she makes the decisions she leads the family and where I look at my family it's it's very patriarchal you know the the man is a dominant force he's the leader in the family and I think that just looking at my own experience of a a matriarchal and a patriarchal family Mm -hmm. I see a massive change in the behaviors of men so, um, for example, men in my family, my side of the family, they, they're very macho. They're very, um, they'll come and go as they please. They don't listen to anybody. They don't really take on any, anybody else's ideas. They, they're pretty, pretty stuck, um, you know, with what they want to do is what they want to do. Whereas um, in a, in a mat, when I look at my husband's side, especially my husband, you know, he is very much a hands-on person and he's, he he's very much into the well-being of everybody in the family and and wants to be involved in the family and i think the reason the way in which the, you know both sides have been nurtured is different you know whereas you know i see on the matriarchal side you can see you know um you, you know you you take you take responsibility for your actions you're not allowed to do this you know you you can't just go away and do this even if you wanted to and i think there's got to be a little bit of a a stop in in how we nurture boys, um, you know, even from the tiniest things such as, 
you know, doing chores, putting your things away, um, you know, making them feel completely responsible for what they do, for even the tiniest action, and that there is no expectation on 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 a mother figure, if you like, on a female figure to be doing those things. Uh, I think that's that's how one way we can break the cycle in in terms of you know how men actually respond to a lot of these things you know is actually looking really closely at our actions and and you know from a very young age nurturing this idea that it, there's no such thing as um you know we this is a woman's role and this is the man's role and even with my own two boys i see there's a lot of that that they can quite easily um be influenced by other people thinking they oh but that's that's for women that's what women does this is a woman's interest and this is a man's interest i think we need to try and you know get down to the real detail of our everyday living and really question you know what the thought patterns come from and where those behavioral changes need to be addressed so that they don't inflict things these ideas you know when they get older and they have relationships with uh with women for example um i know that i know there's a big difference as well with my own mother for example you know the way she raised she was raised and the way she she thought of things was like well that's for a man to do that's for a woman to do mm-hmm. um and, and i think it's key it's key for us to actually start looking at that and actually go hang on a minute even if you in, intention you know that wasn't intentional you know shouldn't i do the washing up today or shouldn't i be doing this and and actually break down those role models and that will actually change the perception that men have on women and uh and i think we'll go to you know go to a long sort of long-term view on you know look we have a lot more equality if if we stop these ideas that this is this is what men do and this is what women do not undermining and demeaning the roles of other people so where you do have traditional families like you know, I do, and you, you, you grew up in a traditional family where the mum was at home, probably cooking, cleaning. It's not to undermine that; it's to actually see that as the sacred role that it is. Mm. And I think it's that kind of mindset shift that needs to happen. That actually, the mother and the and and the kind of maternal person in the home is of high value and valued, and that is displayed through the actions of the males in the family by mm. respect showing respect by being kind by offering help and and those kinds of things that when the boys are young and they're looking and they're seeing that this is how you treat women this is mm. this is where we learn i think one of the big things that i've seen and i completely agree with that is when a child sees it uh, you know starts to translate that into an expectation so when we start to form expectations well that's your job that's what you do and uh, oh no that's a you know that's a woman's job I think that's the danger it's actually you know everybody has really great intentions for example I I love cooking so I I enjoy cooking for my family um but I always try and reiterate that this is not that this is the woman's role it's just that i enjoy doing this mm, it's yeah. not because yeah. it's a, a you know a, a mom cooks and a you know this is what this is what the ex- expectation is or you you know that's the difference i think that's mm-hmm. when it hurts is when it suddenly becomes goes from in 
intention and just doing good for others to this is now an expectation that you abide by this and and that's that's the thing that's a danger that's when it it you know that's when society starts to break down because no longer are you doing it willfully no longer you're doing it because you have the freedom of choice to do it you're doing it now because it's suddenly been imposed on you and i think i think we can all easily fall into that trap and it's just you know you know bringing that back in and actually saying hang on a minute we don't need to have these kind of expectations on people we need to look at this again and say no it's not an expectation i'm doing it willfully i'm doing it because i want to because i want your happiness mm. and i think i think that's one thing i i try and teach my children anyway is that look you know we we want to promote freedom of choice and choice is you know that you you do you're doing things because you want to do it because you feel this is the right thing and this is the right way forward rather than no you're a boy you do this you go out and you do this or you go out and you play football or you go out and you know do something which is manly or you know male male oriented no i, I think it's more bringing it back to that is what i i aim and and i think will you know i'm hopefully raising men that will contribute in in that way of thinking and and uh, inspiring others to to think more equally and Oh my gosh, Deepa, it's been an amazing conversation. I'd love to have you back on again to talk a bit more about you and your life story and where there are interconnections between Eleanor's um, story and journey and your own and Absolutely. where they're different and how it's shaped you to become the woman that you are today. Oh, well, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, Roxana. I've really enjoyed talking to you and uh, of course, if you've got any other questions about the book, I'm more than happy to go through that as well. Um, but yeah, look forward to another session when we can discuss more about, about me and my journey. If you want to get hold of um, Deepa's book, it is available on Amazon. Is that the best place for them to go? To... Yep, yeah. absolutely. If you search D.A. Lee Britain, uh, you, you'll find it um, in the search. Brilliant. Thank you, Deepa. Thank you, Roxana. I'm Roxana Hussein, and you've been listening to the Personal Power Boost podcast. You can follow Personal Power Boost on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, please go to the Apple podcast and rate and review this podcast. Do join me next week for another Personal Power Boost. Thank you so much for listening.